From MechanicalHub.com, this is the Make Trades Great Again podcast with your host, Eric Ani. That's me and my good friend, Annie Mickelson, all the way over in Missoula, Montana. We are two small business owners with a passion and a bit of experience in the trades. So thanks for joining us on our venture to make trades great again. Enjoy. All right, Andy, I hit record, so we are rolling. Today, everybody, thanks for coming back to Make Trades Great Again podcast, by the way. Uh, I'm Eric Ani, your host and my co-host, Andy Mickelson. Andy, how you doing? I'm doing good, Eric. Good, good. Yeah, this is fun. This is fun. We're getting some good feedback already. First episode's out, uh, dropped on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. There's, we've, we've, we're working on getting it on every single streaming service out there so wherever you listen to the podcast wherever your favorite might be if you're on the fence on subscribing check us out there and please hit the subscribe button so that out of the way andy we were talking last week our first episode about oh just introducing ourselves where you know where we've been what we do ourselves i run a business you run a business that kind of thing and i had made mention of dropping out of college to join the trades well but that's been my story for forever right and I, I didn't think anything of it and you and I were talking the other day and like we generally do most days over the phone while we're in between jobs or maybe at the end of the day just checking in see what's going on and you had said hey you know what if we talked about how we got into the trades and I had not thought twice about it but it's a perfect idea for now our second episode so thank you for bringing that up and yeah. I I want you to start because I'm more interested personally on in your story because I think my story is boring, but maybe others won't. So if you want to give us the rundown of how you got into the trades, because I think our, our stories might be similar, but I think we, the way we go about them might be different. Yep. Yep, definitely. I did guess the typical thing that high school students do is they find a career path that sounds interesting. My particular thing, I was always a math guy. Um, I took a couple of drafting classes in uh, in high school and absolutely loved it and thought, I'm going to be a mechanical engineer. That's that's my thing. I, you know, from being just a small kid, I don't know, probably 10, I, I guess I'd probably be about 10 or 12 years old. My dad uh, used to work at a, at a fire department and he used to constantly bring home basically junk from the fire department that was being repurposed or obsolete or they were gone. And I remember tearing apart a copy machine, like a big, huge Xerox machine in my driveway with my younger brother. I mean, we took the thing apart. Every single screw just dismantled this entire thing down to the components and had an absolute riot. Wait, wait a minute. Yeah. Hold on. Let me interrupt. Yep. Your dad would bring stuff home. (laughs) Right. And he brought a copy machine home? Yes. Like a, like a full size I guess at that point, like early nineties, maybe even late eighties copy machine, Xerox copy machine. So this thing is like, I don't know, five feet long and four feet tall and, you know, massive copy machine. So here's a copy machine. I have no freaking clue why he brought this thing home other than. I know why he brought it home. (laughs) No, I know why. Probably be entertained for weeks (laughs) with this. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes. 
and that new that new Xerox or that old Xerox copy machine, which probably was a huge pain in his butt to load up in the truck and get home and then unload yeah. and without breaking it into a thousand pieces. That was the new babysitter. Exactly. We and we did. We said we spent like two <laughs> weeks in the driveway, you know, tearing this thing apart. Yeah, and like I yeah. say, when we were done, we had like coffee cans full of the screws, like all of the screws out, you know, and, and I don't know why we were so fascinated with it, but it was really cool. You know, it had belt drives and these cogs and it was just super cool. So anyway, that I, th- I, I kind of relate that back to some of my uh, early, I guess, uh, introductions to engineering things and designing things. So from that point, I thought, you know what, that's, I'm not going to be an astronaut anymore because I'm done, now done with third grade and I'm going to be a mechanical engineer. So for the next, whatever, 10 years or so, I that was kind of where I was directed towards. Uh, graduated high school, was a, a generally a, a decent student. Uh, definitely wasn't a 4.0 student, but wasn't a, wasn't a slacker. Uh, went to my local university, uh, started up there doing some general studies. Got a pretty good uh, mechanical engineering program about three hours south of us at uh, uh, MSU in Bozeman. And my intention was at the end of two years, I was going to transfer. And so I started through, let's see, I went through three semesters and I was getting ready to start on my fourth semester and was meeting with my advisor. And he says, well, I don't know why you've taken all of the classes that you took last semester don't apply to your degree. And I'm not sure why you picked those classes. And I'm going, wait a minute, that's why I have an advisor. Because I wouldn't have just, you know, randomly picked these classes for just the hell of it. I mean, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, this sounds really interesting. I'm going to take this class. <laughs> right. And and the one particular class that we had taken or that I didn't take was, I'm trying to remember that it's been, it's been a few years ago now. It was yeah. a, it was a, a physics class. And I actually, I mean, really enjoyed physics. The one that I took was a calculus-based physics. And it was not easy. That was probably one of the most challenging classes I've ever taken. Oh, yeah. So I took this class. I did well, passed the lab, passed the class, and finished and was told, basically, you took the wrong 200-level physics class. You need to take this one now. And that's going to put you six months behind your transfer. And I just went, this is stupid. And at that point, you know, pitched a fit, stormed up, you know, told the called the guy an idiot and some probably some other choice words and walked out. And that was the last day that I went to college. And so, you know, you had said <laughs> I dropped out of college and I basically did the same thing. So ironically, we we did do something very similar. And I didn't know what the hell I was gonna do, right? So I'm like, shit, I just did I what did I just do here, you know? And I happened to well, I was in college, was delivering flowers for a local flower shop because it was the only job I could find that worked around my school schedule. And it sucked. It sucked bad. I was the, I was the, the low man on the totem pole, basically. Yeah. And my job was to deliver flowers to funeral homes and nursing homes. And about the only thing that I delivered were like flowers for somebody after they had died. And yeah, it was yeah, funeral arrangement type yeah, of stuff. It was absolutely how many wreaths? Oh my god, mountains of wreaths. I had a, 
it was my it was it was my first job driving a Savannah van, you know, a GMC Savannah cargo van, which ironically I then ended up driving for the better part of my plumbing career. Sure. And it's probably the reason why I absolutely hate GM vans right now. <laughs> it's just because the uh the nineteen they signified death for you. Yeah, the nineteen ninety four yeah. GMC Savannah van that I drove was exactly the same as the two thousand ten GMC Savannah van that I drove when I was at my former employer. <laughs> you know, they have not changed. For sure. No, no, <clears throat> but, not at all. Um it was So then you got so then you moved on from you moved on from delivering death flowers to an apprenticeship, but how did you make that? How did you bridge that gap? Like it didn't just happen yep. overnight. Nope, it didn't. So I had a uh, a high school friend whose dad owned was part owner of the plumbing shop that I ended up starting my apprenticeship at, and the friend and I were I don't know she was out we ran into each other somewhere. Her dad happened to be with her, and I'd known him you know through all through high school you know relative acquaintance. We never dated or anything like that, but. Um, I actually, I guess I ended up dating her cousin for a little while and kind of knew the family that direction and ran into John, you know, somewhere a few days later. And he says, you know, what are you up to? What are you doing? Where, where, where are you working at? And I said, I, you know, delivering flowers. It sucks. Just, you know, kind of getting out of high school or getting out of college and, you know, whatever. And he goes, well, I, I need a guy, I need a guy in the office. You know, you're a smart kid. Why don't you, why don't you come on down, bring me a resume on Monday? Oh yeah, I can do that. Here, here's my resume. I'm holding it. It's a bouquet of flowers. It's a bouquet of flowers. Exactly. Yeah. They, they came from the flower shop and now I'm holding them here. I got them this far. That's my resume. Right. Going back or, you know, long before that I had operated heavy equipment, um, for my uncle off and on all throughout high school. Uh, he owned a gravel pit and a, a dirt work business. And so I did that for him basically in the summers and whatnot. And I just, I had to get out of the family business there because it wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't a healthy relationship. Um, my paychecks came whenever he was comfortable paying me. Um, that oh, didn't, wow. that didn't yeah. work out well. Um, he never, never necessarily stiffed me, but it might be two months between paychecks. Um, you know, it was just kind of oh, whenever boy. he got around to it. Uh, I was the illegitimate employee. So, right. Right. I, I don't, I don't think right. it was an easy, easy thing for either of us regardless anyway so, so I had, when you run into this guy and he says i need a guy at the shop yep i need a guy at the shop and Bring i basically started working in the office putting in or putting together submittal books so any of you guys that have uh, done commercial spec plan spec work you have to have a submittal book bid is awarded uh, the next step is to put together a submittal book and submit it to the architects and the engineers for everybody to sign off on the equipment and the fixtures and all of that so I would get a list of fixtures and then it was my responsibility to go to our catalog room and pull out, you know, the page of the Taco 1600 series 35 pump and take a photocopy of it and stick, you know, make seven copies and put it in the submittal book. And, you know, one went in the job trailer and one went with the superintendent and two went to the architect and two went to the engineer. And, and you were uniquely... Well, you were uniquely qualified to do those photocopies because if the machine ever broke because, down. Because, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because of my, my, my uh, Xerox experience. So. Yeah, your, your, your weeks of Xerox training in the driveway. Right. So, you know, that was, I guess that would have been like 1998. 
when I started there. And I did that for about a year. The shop side of it needed a hand out in the shop. And I was so in between doing paperwork, go out and help in the shop. And I was, you know, 18 or I guess a 19 year old kid doing paperwork was, you know, it was boring. It was, I mean, it was interesting on one aspect, but it was boring on the other aspect and going out and working in the shop and, you know, delivering parts and going and picking up stuff. And, you know, that was, that was interesting. And I eventually kind of fell into that category and the owner of the business kind of came to me and said, well, what do you want to do? Because, you know, we've got all these submittals to be made, but seems like you're kind of enjoying the uh, shop side of it. And I, you know, you guys tell me where you, where you want me to go, uh, what you want me to do and I'll do it. I don't really care. Um, I, you know, I love it. It's great here. I'm making, I was making 10 bucks an hour at the time for a 19 year old kid and late nineties was pretty good pay An apprenticeship position was going to open. And, uh, they ended up signing me on as a uh, metal trades apprentice. Really? Yeah. Not, not in plumbing, not in plumbing. And what had happened there, I, I believe when I started, they wanted to pay you less money. Um, no, I was, I was making the same amount of money as a, as a first year plumbing apprentice would have made, but the metal trades okay. apprentice did not advance. So you started at base rate of a plumbing apprentice, but you never advanced and there wasn't any schoolwork to go to. It was a union shop. So the metal trades apprentice could put up hangers, like drop in anchors, core drill holes, you know, haul pipe, you know, move pipe on the job site. You were, you were basically the grunt. I got signed up in that, got on the first apprenticeship list. So anybody that's not ever been on a, on a union apprenticeship list, kind of the way that works is you do like an interview process and you're graded on that interview, or at least in local four, five, nine, that's how it works. I'm not sure how the rest of the country works. I assume it's similar. Yeah. Yeah. It's similar here in Minneapolis. So anyway, there's this list and you're assigned on the list based on your scores of a few like job service type tests, general adult knowledge tests, and then an interview. If you score good on all three of them, then you go towards the top of the list. Well, my first year, uh, I think I was number four on the list of probably less than 10. So I'm right in the middle of the pack. And uh, they pulled, I think, three apprentices off the list that year. And I sat as at the number one position on the list for like four months. And it was just, there just wasn't a lot of work. So I retested the next year, re-interviewed and got about, got a number four again. And I'm thinking, God, this sucks. I'm never going to get off this list. And that, I think I actually, I was number three the second year. And the, uh, the business manager's son, Hans, who's a, a, a still a good buddy of mine, he was one ahead of me. And then I think there was oh, another kid. Oh, of course he was. Yeah. Yeah, of course. You know. Well, I mean, his dad was running the show. What do dad's, you expect? His dad's running the, running the, the local, so of course he's going to be out there. No. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. He, uh, he's on there, you know, and, and we were both on the list previous. And I think he ended up passing me or something. It, anyway. We both went out, got got pulled on the same day and started our plumbing apprenticeship. And it was interesting because he and I worked on a lot of the same jobs in new construction for that company. We have a, had a little bit of a unique uh, union experience, I guess, where good number of the guys out of our local will work for one or two shops. And that's they may work their entire career at that shop. And never transfer, never get a layoff. It's just, it's it's a little different. And I've talked to a number of guys throughout the country and other parts that are like, 
you know, that's just unheard of. You don't, you know, I've worked at, you know, eight, eight different shops or nine different shops. And over the you know last 20 years, actually, our, I mean, our current business manager who just took over about a year ago was started his apprenticeship at 4G Plumbing and worked all the way through his apprenticeship, all the way through being a journeyman, and then spent probably the better part of 20 years at that shop. Then stepped out of the field to be the business manager. All at one, all at one place. I would no, thank you. Yep. All at one place. And yeah, it's just, I, like I say, I don't, I don't know. I don't know any different. So I can't comment as to whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. My experience has been, I worked for 13 years at 4G plumbing um, where I started and I left there and started my own business. So, you know, I've, I guess I'm a, I'm a two shop kind of guy, but I don't know, maybe I'll work, <laughs> maybe I'll come work for you here. I don't know. <laughs> I know the opposite is going to happen. I'm going to leave Minnesota, yeah. move out West in search of the the gold nuggets. And on the way, I'm going to stop and work for Mickelson plumbing, <laughs> All right, which works. We have, we have joked about so many times, but honestly, how fun would it be to work together? I mean, I would, I think it would be a lot of fun personally. Yeah. I don't know how much the first couple of days would be just us standing around talking, but then, <laughs> I mean, certainly I'd be like, check out this two, new tool I got. Yeah. And you'd be like, okay, we got to get some work <laughs> done here. Some, come on, Eric. We got to, we got to put the tool bag battle away. <laughs> yeah. My tool bag's bigger. <laughs> Right. No, no. I'm never that way. Okay. But I will get caught up in showing my my van off to people. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Will I talk about how I organize my van? <laughs> you want to you want to be bored to death in five minutes having trouble sleeping? Let me tell you about my van. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah. So how you know, it's interesting to me that your local made you retest at every year. And, and basically to me that maybe that's situational because you said at the time there wasn't a lot of work. We're running right on time for a perfect length episode here. So we're going to continue next week with my story. So, but you were saying that there wasn't a lot of work and that you had to, you were on the list for more than, it sounded like almost two years. Yeah, I was, uh, I was on the list. And, and so I had a unique um, situation because I was already working for a plumbing shop. So yeah, I, that's right. That's right. It, you know, it was it, in, in a lot of cases you would go apply, uh, interview and do your testing and get on the list. And you might be working at the grocery store or working at the gas station or working for a, a right. waiting for a call. The cool opportunity here in the last two years to join the uh, JATC. So that's a joint apprenticeship training committee for local 459 here in Missoula. So what that basically is, is myself, and we've got a couple other contractor partners, and then there's a couple of uh, local 459 members, and we form the Joint Apprenticeship Training Committee. We just two weeks ago held interviews for this next year. We had 16 people interview. You know, it, it, we have these interviews, and you know, you start looking at the, the walks of life that we had. The, the most inexperienced guy, I would say, was 20 years old and had only had one job on his resume. I think he worked at his parents' grocery store or something. And, you know, had absolutely no clue what he wanted to do in life, why he wanted to be a plumber. It was interesting. You know, guy obviously didn't have a lot of life experience. And that's maybe not a bad thing. But on the other hand, I look at that and go, 
plumbing, steam fitting, pipe fitting, welding, whatever the, the trade is that you're looking at, in my opinion, is a career. Those are career moves. And in career moves, you traditionally don't change. Not to say that you can't, but once you've invested the time into it to understand that that career, it's not common for people to change. And I view myself personally as, as a professional in my field. I've spent the last 21 years learning this field. It would be going way outside of my comfort zone to start over and do something again from the bottom of the pile. I feel like it's an important decision. I don't want to, you know, we certainly don't want to discourage someone from applying just because they don't know, but because they may absolutely love it. But it was interesting to see, you know, get guys that come in that don't have any clue what they want to do in life. All the way to the oldest guy we had was, I think he's 42. So he's the same age as I am, has, yeah. has basically been working as a laborer uh, for another plumbing company uh, north of us uh, for a few years or I think about a year, he's worked on bridge construction, you know, a number of things. He was a retired Naval guy. Uh, I think he was a mechanics mate in the Navy. So guys, super like right in the, the ballpark of where, Hey, this, this guy's going to be a good mechanic. He's, he's a good tech, you know, smart, you know, likes working on his own truck. He's kind of, you know, does the hot rod thing, you know, guys worked, you know, his resume, the, the job experience that he's got is like two pages you know, worked all over, nowhere for a real long time, but he's done a lot of stuff. That's, I mean, I look well, at that and go, those, that's, those are real life experiences that are valuable. Quite the departure from you delivering death flowers. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. But, but I, you know, so the, so the ironic, the, the interesting part about the, the, the older guy that I thought was, I put myself in his shoes and went, what, what would I be doing if I were in his shoes and I was 43 and starting a career? And I just, it, it was, it was just an interesting thought, you know, it was, it was something that I, I looked at and went, that, that would be a daunting task, you know, at that, at that stage oh, yeah. in your life to be starting something new might be exciting. You know, I, I loved my apprenticeship. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. You have the perspective of looking back on it. Yes. He's starting. He doesn't know what this apprenticeship is. I mean, he probably has an idea. He's probably thought long and hard, like, what am I going to do? I, I don't like what I'm doing currently. Like, this isn't, I'm not going to go anywhere, it sounds like, because he's working basically in the shop for a plumbing company. Yep. And that position is, I mean, it's a needed, every larger company needs those employees. Those are essential employees to making that business work. However... The reality is, is those employees, generally speaking, are going to kind of max out at a, a rather lower wage. And that's just, you know, maybe they get some benefits and whatnot. And stability, probably, yes. And respect, I'm sure. However, that's, you know, if you're if you're good with your 15 to 18 to 20 bucks an hour and that's it, then that's probably the right job for you. But right. if you need more than that or you want more than that, you want to be challenged, you want to see see and do different things rather than deliver shower valves every Thursday to the hotel project that's been going on for two years, then, you know, that's not the job for you. Right. So it was, like I say, it was, it was really interesting. I, you know, hadn't been in that interview process since I interviewed 20 years ago. 
or 21 years ago. So it was, it was interesting to sit on the other side of the table. The other side of it was that I thought was really interesting was that I sat across the, or sat 21 years ago. I saw sat across the table from John Buckabats, who asked me the question that I picked to ask the new interviewees. And I, and I just, that was kind of this reminiscent, cool thing. My question was, you know, working on home equipment, you know, your lawnmower, your car, whatever is dirty work. Does that bother you? Then you just try to get, I guess, an idea of whether or not the, the applicant is okay with being filthy. I mean, are they okay getting their hands dirty? Are they okay diving in? Are they scared about that or nervous about that? And not that that's going to make a bad plumber. Uh, there are going to be plumbers out there that don't like getting dirty. Fine. Great. But are you, if you're not willing to get dirty, then, well, guess what? We probably need to have a discussion about the career path you're trying to choose because I'm not going to guarantee that you're going to be clean all the time. I would be the worst JATC interviewer. I'd be like, you know, first in my head, I'd want to ask, so you want to be a plumber, huh? You know, and like, like, how lame is that? And then, and then yeah. my next question would be like, uh, okay, here's the scenario. <laughs> there right. is a right. geyser of raw sewage coming out of the floor drain in the loading dock of this high rise building. What do you do next? You know, <laughs> you're like, and you know, just ask impossible questions that somebody, this interviewee that is yeah. like, I just graduated high school, man. Why are you asking yeah. me these things? Like, I don't even know what a geyser of raw sewage is. And I'd be like, wrong answer. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're not, you're fired. Somebody get this guy out of my face. <laughs> You know, I'm slamming my fist down on the desk and like, and then everybody at the, yeah. on the JTC is like, who, who that, who, what, who invited this Wait, guy? Who brought him? Yeah. <laughs> How did he get this far? <laughs> was there no sign? <laughs> like some, certainly, right. certainly there was a sign. We, we would have known. Were we all just out to lunch when this guy applied? Oh boy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it was interesting you say that. So we, so we had to ask the same question to each applicant. Just to keep oh, yeah. it fair, you know, yeah, so that there yeah. wasn't anything biased one way or another. So one of the other uh, members of the JTC, his question was, so you're at retirement age and you're looking back on your life and what you've accomplished. What kind of things would you be proud of? Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. My answer? Yeah. I stopped that geyser of raw sewage in the floor drain of the loading dock of that high rise with my bare hands. Exactly. I threw I threw my body on it like a grenade, you know, and I'm like, okay, sorry. Man, I'm good yeah. at interrupting you today. I'm so sorry. That's all right. So so it's but it was, you know, so you get the the 43-year-old guy that's like, you know, I'm proud of my naval career and you know, I've done this and I've done that and I've welded things and I've, you know, provided a life for my family and on and on and on, right? Okay legitimate answer. We get to the 20 year old guy who hasn't worked anywhere. Isn't sure that he's ready to move out of mom and dad's house. And John asks him that question. And the kid goes, what? Oh. And John repeats the question. You're at retirement age. You're looking back on your life. What are you proud of? And he looks at him and he goes, I'm going to be honest. I've never thought for a single second what it would be like to retire. Well, he's 20 years old. He goes, I have no idea how to answer that. I'm 20 years old. Yeah, exactly. And it was just like, 
Yep. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's nothing wrong with that answer. I mean, it's not a right or wrong. No. No, it's not. But and, and it was it was it's legitimate. That kid has right. never thought about retirement. He, there's no reason for him to think about retirement. He's 20 years old. Well, that was interesting. So we got to end it someplace, and I think that right. that's a good spot. Uh, I I have a similar story, but I think it's going to be different enough to where people might be interested in hear what I have to say on how I got into trades. And I think yours was so good. I didn't want to stop you other, other than interrupt you a whole bunch of times. And I appreciate <laughs> you sharing. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that Andy. It's very cool. Very cool. And we're going to have to reach out to some people too and, and get their feedback on how they got in trades, because I bet you there's some really cool stories out there and not that everybody's story isn't cool, but I bet you there's some that are very, very interesting, very different. Yep. Andy, I'm going to wrap it up now. What do you think? Do you think that we uh, got a good episode two in? I think we're ready for episode three. I think I think two is two's in the bag. Two's in the bag. It is storming like Man. crazy outside. So if you heard some thunder on my end, I'm going to try. If I didn't get that edited out at, after post-production here, I apologize. But it's wicked outside. It Like the sky at my house right now, I'm looking out the window. It is green. I'm pretty sure. I'm colorblind, but I think it's yeah. green. Hi, mine was the, mine was uh, similar here a little bit ago, and I'm pleasantly surprised that it has cleared off since we started recording. So, it'll be a good day to go put a new rooftop condenser fan on. I was a little bit nervous earlier, but well, there you it go. Is what it is. I'm going to go diagnose so. a leaking heat exchanger in a combi boiler, and hopefully get a, a return authorization to get the thing changed out. So that's going to be my day today. All right, well, All right man. Have a, have good, a good one. <laughs> you too. Let's do, let's do that over again. I'll start. Have a good one. All right. You too, Eric. See you. The Make Trades Great Again podcast has been brought to you by MechanicalHub.com. Mechanical Hub LLC property. This episode was recorded on Zencaster, produced and edited by Eric Oni and Andy Mickelson. Original music by Neighborhood Nick, officially licensed for use by Epidemic Sound. Thank you for listening.